why we're the number one freaking defense in the league. Rudy Gold Bear. Crazy. I freaking there. Next is up one, 2.8 to go. Bogey. Donnie. Bogey. I love All right. that. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome to Twos and Threes, uh, cowhideglobe.com podcast uh, about the Utah Jazz. I'm Marcus Ensi, um, you're with your uh, fellow co-host, uh, my brother Doug. Sorry, Doug, I'm still kind of laughing uh, at that opening at our friend Paul. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. Paul, definite shout out to you. I think it's however you're recording end of game reactions like really i mean i don't know if we've ever really had an in-person conversation before but <laughs> i feel like i'm a part of the game with you and it gives it, it like gives me some happiness for sure yeah it's really strong so for the listeners um that that cold open um is my friend paul heslip um he's recorded his uh live viewing reactions to the last couple jazz games that was a tough one as as anyone listening knows but uh, i don't know makes me feel better to 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 hear paul see him you can see it on twitter if you follow him um i think his handle's at paul hustle but i'll verify that um and uh you know sharing the common experience uh basically you know knowing that other people are suffering with you sometimes (laughs) makes you feel better um, so I wanted to open with that because I just thought it was really funny. Um, but Doug, that that does you know, this is this is a podcast with three segments, and the first one each week is a wrap up of the week that was. And Paul's already got us in there talking about it, so let's just jump into our segment one. Wait, what happened this week? But yeah, so the week that was, Doug. Um, we've had a couple of days since the last game you and I are recording this on Sunday night. We were both traveling this weekend, um, maybe to sort of cleanse ourselves of the Friday night game, probably just because we already had family plans, but nonetheless, for me, it was cleansing. Um, we went to Monterey and it was lovely. Um, it helped that, that the Utes uh, just keep being awesome. Um, and I was rocking my Utah garb in Monterey, California, while we were at a movie theater watching Maleficent too. Um, great family flick. Anyways, I digress, Doug. All that's to say, this kind of go in chronological order. The last few weeks, we've kind of gone reverse chronological and talked about the most recent games. But this week, I want to talk about the Warriors game first because it, it had some themes that kind of carried out for the whole week for me. And because guess what? I was at that game um, as we previewed in our last podcast. So is that cool with you? Yeah, that was cool with me. I, I'm just glad that they, they won and that you anchored us through. So let's. I think I played a big part. Have. I think I played a big part because guess what? So I go there, right? Um, and it's kind of a weird thing in the Bay Area right now because the Warriors just moved from Oakland to San Francisco. Um, and that Oakland arena, you know, it was getting more and more sort of the crowd was getting more and more bougie as the team was doing well. And um, tickets were getting more and more expensive. 
And nonetheless, though, I've gone to at least one or two games each year since I've been here. I've seen the Jazz each year there, play there since I've been here. And I've actually really respected Oracle in Oakland because there were real fans there, you know, and the Oakland people are real fans. And even though there are more and more sort of tech gajillionaires in the lower bowl, you know, you went there and you still felt like you were at a real basketball game, not just an event. So this was my first time going to the Chase Center in San Francisco. Now, selfishly, it's better for me because it's a short train ride from my house. And not short, I guess. Uh, it's an easy train ride from my house um, on the peninsula here. Whereas before you had to kind of schlep across the bay in, in awful traffic um, to get to Oracle and have a nightmare parking. So anyways, I go up there, Doug. Um, I ride the train. I'm with a couple of friends from my old law firm. And it's a great sort of experience. The The arena's awesome. Um, it's really nice. Uh, now, I think the Viv is really nice inside especially it's it's had recent rentals but the chase center where they play now is great um food options were good they're still kind of sorting it out i know all these details matter to you um right. but anyways right. we we get in there it was such a weird vibe though once the game started because the last you know five years here and i've only been around for four of them but that place has been nuts and it's been packed and it's been raucous and go this time and you know obviously the, the kind of air has been let out of the sail is that the, is that the way you say that um for the warriors season and in the meantime the niners and the seahawks are playing in like the biggest game at the san francisco 49ers stadium in like the last four years um which is actually in santa clara but that's another point so in the game in the basketball game, like half the crowd at any given time was outside of, you know, in the food concession area at little bars watching the football game on TV. Meanwhile, I'm in there. And in the first quarter, D'Angelo Russell just like catches on fire. And he was like red hot. He was missing nothing. And I was sweating a little bit. But, Doug, I was, you know, I, I made my presence known. I let D'Angelo Russell know um, I wasn't having him um, have one of those games. And the Jazz ended up, um, you know, kind of taking it over. But what I wanted to say from it, and sorry, I'm getting a little monologue here. I, I want to get your thoughts on this game, too. But one, one part of this segment one this week is I want to give a stat that jumped out to each of us um, for the week or for a given game. And my stat for this game um, kind of became a theme of the week for me. So I, I want to give it to you. Is that cool? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm ready for it. All right. So I guess I need a little more, a little more background. So there in the arena, this new arena, you know, every arena has got the stats up there. And normally it's the traditional stats. It's like points, rebounds, assists, blocks, fouls, turnovers, that kind of stuff. Um, up, up in the top, next to this big, beautiful screen, I mean, the screen was massive. It was kind of like the Cowboys screen in their stadium. But um, they have this thing, it said the four factors, um, which felt super Silicon Valley to me. It was uh -huh. like I was reading the prospectus of a tech IPO company or something. It was like they gave me their KPIs. And the four factors were all advanced metrics. Um, so... This is I'm, this is my lawyer joke. I tried to tell it to my wife, Kristen, earlier, and she did not think it was funny, but I'm going to go for it anyways. I was looking at it, and I was like, 
if I was reading this as their securities lawyer, I'd be like, we have to give a non-GAAP reconciliation. You have to explain to me how these weird advanced numbers actually tie back to the normal box score stats. And my friends and I spent a good part of the first quarter figuring it, figuring them out. <laughs> and they ended up not being that complicated, but they were just named in ways that I wasn't familiar with. So, so they had four factors. And the first one was EFG, which I'm pretty sure was something like efficient field goal percentage. And I think it was meant to be like a true shooting percentage that factored in three point shooting. And then the second one um, was turnover, turnover rate or turnover percentage. It was easy enough to figure out, but it wasn't just turnovers. It was like percentage of possessions where you turn it over. Um, And then the third was something, uh, maybe the third was just three point percentage straight up. And then the fourth was free throw rate. And that's my stat for you with that long winded intro. Um, (laughs) Free throw rate, Doug, which turns out, do you know what, give give me your guess. What do you think free throw rate was? Okay. Here's my guess on free throw rate. I'm going to say that is um, the average amount of free throws that they shoot per quarter. I, I like it, but no. <laughs> it was close. It was it was it was the average amount, and I, I would have thought maybe this made sense per possession or something, but they they made it simple so that the math was there. You could you could back it out. It was basically the number of free throw attempts divided by the total number of field goal attempts. Hmm. Um, so you know it was kind of weird. So at first I'm like, oh, the Jazz are like hovering between 35 and 40 percent. Is this good? Um, and then. That was my next question for you. So is how do you have a good free throw rate? Yeah, and the Warriors were like at 8%, and it that was bad. And, and I'll just give you some raw stats here to make, it, to make it easier. The Warriors ended up for the game shooting 14 foul shots. Um, that number was under 10 almost the whole game until the end. The Jazz shot 32 foul shots. Um, oh, wow. They made 26, and the Warriors made 8. The reason why this is an interesting stat to me, Doug, and sorry if I'm getting long and boring about this, but for most of the game, so the the Jazz in garbage time ended up shooting a higher field goal percentage than the Warriors, but they made less field goals. And for most of the game, the Warriors were shooting a higher percentage. Like D'Angelo Russell came out and he was making everything. And the Warriors, Pascal made some shots. They had a bunch of dudes making shots, but they were all two-pointers. And they were all long two-pointers, not at the rim. And the Jazz kept going to the rim and getting fouled, and then they made a ton of threes in this game. And I don't want to harp on that point too much because obviously the di- the difference there they made 16 threes, the Warriors made 10. So, but the free throw disparity was enough to account for the entire difference in the final score of the game. Um, and I, this is a thing that I thought about Russell before he doesn't really go to the rim. It's a thing people have said about Donovan Mitchell quite a bit in the past, and this season he's been doing a lot better. The Jazz basically, so this is kind of like a broader takeaway for me for the whole week. The offense still seems out of sync, um, but they've been getting to the foul line a lot more. And in each one of these games this week, they were between 32 and 37 free throws. I, I'm not going to, I'm going to get out of the numbers a little bit now, but each and in each game, the opposing team was significantly less. And I think that kind of helped win them the game in Brooklyn. It helped them pull away against the Warriors and it kept them in there against Memphis in a game where the offense otherwise wasn't great and I'm liking it (laughs) I guess that was kind of a takeaway there is the Jazz kept getting to the line and kept scoring at the line and 
it kind of was the difference in that game. Honestly, um, I hadn't even – well, at least this week specifically, I hadn't thought about that. But that's huge. 26 free throws made compared to eight in the Warriors game, that's nuts. I, had, I didn't even – I didn't even look at that. Um, it was a huge disparity in that game. And so, so that's, it was and, really jumping out to me. My friends talking were like, at one point we're like, this has to be like the least amount of free throws the Warriors have taken in a game. And I know as a fan, people always jump out and are like, oh, that means bad officiating. But honestly, the Warriors fans around me weren't like complaining about officiating. It's just that the Warriors weren't playing offense in a way that would lead to getting fouled. And the Jazz were doing a good job playing defense, not fouling. But the Jazz were attacking the basket. I guess. Yeah. And because of that, they were getting fouled more. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's really good. And I think that honestly, that's, that'll be like the, I mean, the key to winning close games. I feel like they're just, just their ability to hit those free throws too. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been big. Yeah. Sorry. We're okay. I, I have since um, you were at the game and yeah. I wasn't at the game obviously because I don't, I wasn't there, <laughs> but I have one, I have one you set for me. you from that game. Okay. And um, this is kind of a theme for my recap stats as well, but my stat is one, the, the number one. And that was the first ejection in <laughs> the new Chase Arena. <laughs> Your Dream stat's so game. much more fun. <laughs> Draymond Green getting kicked out. I thought I want. I want to know what what your feel of what it was. I mean, he's done, man. Like he didn't want to play. He was ready to sit out the rest of the game, so he just blew up and got a double technical and got out of there. I love that stat. A hundred percent. That's what happened. So we're there. I think Draymond wanted to watch the end of the Monday Night Football game too. I think he was <laughs> he a little bummed. He had to be playing basketball. It's funny because that was the murmur all around me. I was like, oh, Draymond's just, he doesn't want to play anymore. And the funny thing was right after that, Steve Kerr got a technical as well. And he looked really upset afterwards. And the joke everybody was saying was like, he was more mad that he didn't get kicked out and he had to stay in for the rest of the game than the fact that he got a technical. So, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a great, yeah, uh, I totally had that. All right. Your stat was way more fun than mine. Um, and, and I Maybe liked it a lot more significant though. So I, just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The Draymond thing was good. I I'm forever going to wear with a badge of honor that I was there, um, for the first ejection at, at chase and that it happened because the jazz uh, got under Draymond's skin. Honestly, that's, that's something like you could tell your grandkids one day. I will. Um, well, let me give you a couple other in-game observations that are on the less technical side. Okay. This okay. was a little technical, but. Here you go. It's a, it has to do with measurement. Rudy Gobert is really big and really tall. Dude, he just – I love to a few games. <laughs> I've been to a few games at Oracle. You know, I've been to a few games here, and he's actually had big games in a lot of them because the Warriors have always been a little undersized in the middle, and that's where they kind of give up some stuff. He is just dunking on everybody. It, it looked really easy for him, and I thought that kind of carried over – throughout the week where this was this week he looked so much more comfortable offensively than the last um than the first two weeks of the season i think part of that was it seems like mike conley 
and some of the other new guys are getting more comfortable with how to get him the ball in a position for him to succeed. Um, part of that could have also been matchup driven, you know, no Giannis and no Embiid this week, but he just looked good. He looked good all week. Yeah, I wanted to add to that. That was my kind of like Brooklyn Nets game takeaway was that I loved the well obviously there was the really big Mike Conley assist to Rudy Gobert at the end of the game that was my favorite play of the week right oh nice yeah when it was more kind of in the crunch and Mike Conley's in like the corner next to the three-point line and just throws it straight up by the rim and Rudy just caught that pass and it's like it was a bullet going in there and in between two guys and then puts it in I just feel like uh a huge takeaway for me was the Mike and Rudy chemistry, like you said. And and something something with that that I love is just like, especially in the Brooklyn game, Mike Conley's smile, man, after every one of his assists, he just had the biggest grin. Like, he's getting it, you know? The, the, it just wasn't there at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, he looks so much more comfortable. He continues to be an increasingly greater amount of charming um, with each game and each passing week. And yeah, like the the chemistry is there for them or is getting there. I shouldn't say it's there because I still feel like the offense is still a little skittish. Um, And maybe I'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But but that was a really encouraging thing from the week is that those guys looked a lot more comfortable. And yeah, that pass, because honestly, I'm being honest with you, Doug, you know how my feelings about Rudy. When Mike threw that pass at the end of the Brooklyn game, on a rope to Rudy under the basket. I was like, Oh no, what's he doing? <laughs> like you know, it was coming in hot. Uh, and I thought he maybe had an open three, but then when Rudy caught it and finished, it was like pure elation, like the, and the crowd went nuts and that game was a fun game game to watch. So that, that was really cool. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was maybe my highlight of the week. Okay. Maybe we should like bookmark this moment. Because what was the Donovan moment last year where, oh, where where Quinn just told him to like put his head down and go to the up and go rim? to the rim, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This could be like the Rudy Mike moment where ever since that pass, just like it'll it'll be a great history of th- through the season. I love this. People. You're recognizing history as it's happening, and guess what? We'll speak it into existence. We'll keep referring to how much better they've been since that moment, regardless. No, I think right. it's really good. Okay, we're gonna remember this. This is a this is what are we calling this? A hashtag twos and threes bookmark moment or something? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I like that. I'm putting a, a putting a bookmark down for this. Um because I think it's great. I, I do feel like a corner was turned there and it was kind of like I mean, a lot's been said about this, but Mike Conley has played twelve years of his career the bulk of which he was with Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph were great, great big man basketball players, but who play low to the ground. And he's just getting used to having a guy he needs to throw the high pass for. Last year, the Jazz super focused on the high pass. That was like their thing coming out of camp all early in the season. They were like, we're throwing high passes to Gobert and Favors and Gobert set the NBA record for dunks. Um, this year he's way behind that pace, but I feel like you're right. I feel like this is, this is a demarcation point. Um, speaking of high passes, one, one pretty amazing, um, moment live at, uh, the Warriors game on Monday was that Jeff Green alley-oop dunk. Uh, Oh, that was so good. I'm so glad you brought that up. That pass, who even threw that pass? Do you remember? 
It was, it was Joe Ingles. It was Ingles, no. right? Yeah, he it was. threw that yeah, thing from like three quarter court. It felt like, or before half court. I don't, all I know is that in person, I was like right at the mid court, but you know, super high up, and just bird's eye view. And he threw it, and I was like, "Oh, he's gonna dunk that!" And then he dunked it, and everybody went nuts. And like, I just turned to the my friend, and I was like, "That's why a million GMs have overpaid for Jeff Green because <laughs> it was an incredibly <laughs> athletic feat." And guess what? We didn't overpay for him. We got him for the minimum. I still, I, I'm still very happy with Jeff Green returns, even though he's he's been a little up and down. He had a big, a couple big moments this week, but that was great. And the Ingles dunk was great uh, towards the end of the game. That was pretty fun. Um, and then my other in-person takeaway from there, a couple things. Um, Emmanuel Moutier continues to just be awesome. I didn't realize he was going to play. I hadn't seen like reports going up before. I'd kind of long day at work. So when he came out, it was just like, I was reassured seeing him. And that was kind of cool. And uh, also just kind of sad seeing Alec Burks on that Warriors team. Uh, kind of bummed me out. Yeah. Gotta love AB, but... It kind of feels like Moutinho is his market correction, right? That, it feels like Moutinho is doing the things we wanted Alec to do, and if Alec could have just stayed healthy, he could have been that role where he just comes, Moutinho comes off the bench and just puts his head down and goes to the basket, and that's kind of what AB would do. But I don't know. It's just kind of a bummer for him. Like, he's gone to, like, Cleveland right after Cleveland became a dumpster fire. <laughs> now he's going to the Warriors in the year that they're just tanking pretty much. So, I don't know. Still like Alex, though. Me too. Okay, so I have one bad confession. So, we both, like you mentioned, we both got away for the weekend. I was in Bear Lake, and um, I, I've tried to do my best studying up, but I didn't get to watch the Grizzlies game, which I was pretty sad about just because it was the Mike Conley. Like, I've seen the highlights and everything. <clears throat> But obviously, Jazz lose on the last second play. Yeah, I want to. I want to share with you. Here's my here's my second stat of the week, okay. and it's also uh, a vague stat of the number three, referencing Donovan Mitchell saying this is the third time oh, that yes. he's been fouled in a in a clutch um, clutch moment situation and not had it be, be called. Um, so just to reference that, so that was the Kings game that the Jazz lost that Michelle and Brandon were at and their family. Yeah. Um, he he said that he got fouled on that last shot, which I, I agree with that one. In the Bucks game as well, he got fouled late that they didn't call, which he felt like they got, he got fouled at least. And then Bojan lifted us all up. And then the yeah. Grizzlies game last night. So I have my opinion. I want to hear your opinion, Mark. Was that a foul on the shot? Doug... You got my blood pumping, so I'm sorry, guys. Far more curse alert. Hell to the yes. Uh, he got fouled. It was blatant. I'm sorry. He got fouled. Um, it's it's hard because you hate to uh, – all right. See, I'm already exasperated about this, Doug. I like how you, you hate said to... farm word expression. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say curse word, but guess what? Come on. This is pretty mild. You know, that's a pretty mild one. So it's the mild uh, H-bomb. But look, Doug. Yes, you should not put yourself in a position to rely on the refs at the end of the game, I guess. Yes, the Jazz should not have been in that position against the Kings or against um, the Memphis Grizzlies. Guess what? 
he still got fouled. You don't change the way you referee basketball in the last couple seconds of the game. Um, this is why I put that thing up from Paul Heslip at the beginning of the show because it, he was Paul was all of us then. Paul, did you also important in that we finally, finally got Doris Burke on an ESPN game. Um, thank goodness it was great. So I'm sorry you missed that. Um, really, one of the most uh, sort of like slash retweeted tweets I've had was Doris Burke related. I'm just being happy to have her as the announcer instead of Mark Jackson. And, uh, you know, the world agrees. Um, but you can hear Doris at the end saying Solomon Hill got away with a foul. And there's like three camera angles that are pretty crystal clear. Um, he grabs him right across the wrist. My favorite thing, David Locke tweeted out this thing that was like, um, look at all the Memphis Grizzlies and see who's not celebrating because they think they just lost them the game. And it was Solomon Hill. Every other Grizzlies got their hands in the air and Solomon Hill's looking like, oh, crap, I just fouled him, you know? And, right. Don, you know, I love that Donovan talked about it afterwards. Um, I, I Whether he gets fined or not, that was super cool because you just got to stand up for yourself after a little while. To me, I thought the George Hill one was egregious. I, the Kings game, I think I think he got fouled. I don't think it was the last play as much. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the one he's aggrieved by. I thought on the play before that where he made a shot to put them up one with 11 seconds left, he made it and I think got fouled on that play. I think that was the one he had a gripe with. So I, I agree with him on that, but I thought that was the least egregious. The George Hill one was a blatant foul. George Hill didn't even come close to touching the ball in the Bucks game. I mean, we won the game, so fine. But um, this one, he rakes him across the wrist, pulls his hand down. The fact that they released the last two-minute report, did you see this? Um, yeah, I saw this. The NBA does a last two-minute report where they, they kind of say whether or not they made any mistakes in officiating the last two minutes of the game. And they said that that was the correct call because he got him on the hand and the hand is part of the ball. That's ridiculous ridiculous it was it was blatantly on his arm into his wrist i mean pulling it down so i did not like that play and i realized the play broke down and he was supposed to catch it going to the basket watching it live i hated the play because you need one point donovan's dynamic let's go to the basket and i wish that he didn't pull up from the mid-range in the play before i don't know if you saw that one but he nonetheless caught the ball turned to the basket and made a motion towards shooting and the guy grabs his wrist throws it down um once again though the guy who wins the whole whole thing was rudy gobert making the joke about after the refs screw you for three times you should either get a free win or at least free chick-fil-a <laughs> I, I did see that i love that i love that I thought that was the winning comment of the night for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what did you think about it? I mean, you, I, I assume you've seen all the angles and stuff. So I've seen all the angles. It's, it's kind of hard because I wasn't in the heat of the game, you know, and yeah. just looking at it, it, I mean, it looks like for sure he gets his wrist and it, he, it looks like he's coming across his arm, but, um, did you see the angle that was under the basket? I did from the opposite so in front of Donovan. Like, yeah. Him. To me, that one was the clearest. Uh, yeah. James Hansen tweeted the other one from the side, which I thought was pretty clear. It I, Honestly, when it first happened live with the angle, I didn't think he, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't even think, I was like, what play was that? What were they doing? And then I saw the James Hansen angle 
And I was like, oh, that was a foul. That's so frustrating. And then I saw the one under the basket. And to me, that one was that one was pretty blatant. Okay. Can I just say my one thing? And maybe I'm off base, but say. I I hate the I felt like it was kind of like a a softer version. And I mean, he got the ball hit out of his hands, right? So, it, but it, 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 just how it looked and how he finished with his arms, arms out. Oh no, you're not calling this the Durant Harden thing, are you? I well, I was gonna say it almost looks like a softer version of like how Chris Paul flails. Is that egregious? Is that like a terrible <laughs> thing to say? I get what you're saying. I mean, Do you know, I generally, you know it generally that? bothers me when people flail their arms just straight in the air in a way that doesn't look like a basketball move. Yes, afterwards. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't love that either. I just think the way he, his wrist got grabbed is kind of what else are you going to do? Like he's the time's running out and you're putting your arm up towards the basket. Also, like it didn't matter whether or not it was like, I guess that would have mattered and whether he got three versus two shots, but they're in the bonus. Like it's a foul. If he hits him in the wrist, it's a foul. He gets two foul shots. Right. Um, and going back to my point from earlier, I was going to connect these dots eventually, but about free throws continuing to be a takeaway for the week. Uh, I think they deserve two more in that game. And if he makes one of them, we go to overtime. If he makes two, uh, we win the game. And we feel like the weeks – it's just like that game – my other takeaway from that game is just that it was it was really similar vibe to the Brooklyn game. Uh, we just kind of weren't very good, but have the talent and, and we're doing things like going to the free throw line to hang around and almost seeked it out and didn't. That yeah. lost. And this was one of my points for the week. I, I was trying to think how to even explain this, but one of the things that bugs me on on Twitter is this fan indignation after games like this. Uh, I, let me know if this makes sense. You know, there's a lot of stuff where people are like, you just you just can't afford to lose. If you're a championship team, it always starts with something like that. Uh, right, if you're a right. championship team, you just don't lose games like this. These guys – this aren't playing like you know, and it's always. I guess maybe I, I don't know if I'm weird, but every time I hear somebody or read a tweet like that or hear somebody say something like that, I'm just like, it sounds like they're saying, if I were in that position, I would not allow that to happen. And I'm like, dude, you're 45, overweight, sitting on your couch with Dorito stains, and maybe most of that describes me except for the 45 part. Uh, and you're being like. <laughs> If this was me, I wouldn't let that happen. And I'm just like, it's not you because you're, it will never be you because you're not good enough to be there. So it's just like kind of bugs me because it's also like, yeah, every championship team, no championship team has won every game in a season. You know, I mean, you lose. Right. And when you lose and everybody loses against like all the NBA teams are good. Uh, John Morant, I, I, the one thing you missed was John Morant is the truth. Like that dude you think? is really, really fun. He made a few plays. It was very Donovan Mitchell rookie season-esque where it just like athleticism that just popped off the screen. He was good. I mean, at the end of the game, Rudy just blocked his floater into oblivion, which is the first part of Paul Heslip's video recording to give the Jazz a chance to win it at the end. And he, he missed, like he short-armed a few long shots, but he had a couple athletic plays. And that, that Memphis team is actually pretty fun. Like, they're they're an athletic, exciting young team who are going to win a few games like that. 
at home. To me, it's it's a bummer loss. You you they they should have they probably should have won it. Um, I, well, I think they should have too because they got fouled at, at the end and they're in college. But whatever, like they they could have won it. Um, but just this like whole like fan like if you're a championship team, you don't lose games like that. It's just like well, that's just not true. And it right. bugs me. Right, and that's a drag. Like reiterate what we've already said. But I mean, it was a fun week. You were at the, you yeah. you went one game, which is always a highlight. The Brooklyn game was fun, and I, here's here's two things I'm bummed about. And then if you have anything more, you can say, or we can move on. But okay, um, I'm bummed Mike Conley didn't get that win. And me too. I I'm bummed for the sake of our sister Stephanie that Grayson Allen didn't play in that game either. <laughs> a real loss for Stephanie. I'm not sure if she watched the game or not. Um, she's a big Duke fan. I think we've mentioned that before. Big time Grayson Allen. You know, you and I, maybe I shouldn't talk for both of us. That we, I, I felt like I had a complicated relationship with Grayson, but re- really became endeared to him as he was on the Jazz. And I, I was kind of bummed when he, when he left. I was kind of bummed not to see him play um, in that game just because – I'm curious to see him on a with a with a little more run and a little more role because I I think he's a real NBA player. Um, and Doug, um, did you have another thing you were bummed about? Because if not, I think that segues well into your nope. So okay, so let's segue. let's uh, let's take that and uh, jump into uh, segment two. Segment two. <laughs> Yay! What do you got? All right, so for segment two, I wanted to hit up some hometown faves, and I wanted to see, this This had Grayson Allen as a segue, but what ex-jazzmen, jazz players, whatever, what ex-jazz, <laughs> referencing an <laughs> earlier podcast. What Friends of the pod would, would get that joke. Right, so <laughs> what ex-jazz players are just crushing it this year so far? Um, and so, yeah, I want to, I want to see thoughts on X jazz players. Cause you know, you get in, you get into Doug Hinsey's heart and it's hard to get away. And you're and loyal, so, Doug, loyal to a fault. I love it. Yep. So you want mine? Yeah. I want, I, sorry. I want, I want yours. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> you got there. All right. As you're doing this, I'm, I'm live looking up something. Cause I just wanted to actually talk intelligently to what i'm about to say but it's ricky rubio for me i mean maybe we're in this the same way and i wanted to actually have his his stats because i think he's been having a pretty good year now i'm looking he's just averaging under 14 points a game so that's nothing crazy but is he's up to about nine almost nine assists a game after the last couple of years with the jazz being in the five six range and his whole career before then being being much higher he's shooting great he's shooting his three-point shooting percentage is 30 almost 38 percent which is just um moons higher than than his career percentage but most importantly that phoenix team is winning games and looking good i think their point differential is like the second highest in the west after the lakers and they're getting good wins against good teams and they just look like a competent professional basketball team this year and i think a lot of that has to do with the way ricky rubio is playing he just is He's been in control. He's coming off that summer. He had a great summer playing for Spain, being the MVP of the FIBA World Cup. Um, his beard has never been stronger. Uh, he looks good in the Phoenix colors. It kind of makes sense with him there, like in the sort of like freewheeling point guard history that they have with 
Nash all the way back to Kevin Johnson and Jeff Hornacek and Dan Marley. I know some of those are shooting guards, but whatever. He just makes sense in Phoenix. Uh, but I was kind of bummed that they weren't going to be good. And I don't know if they'll continue to be good. This will kind of go into my next segment. But he's just looked good, and I think he's looked the best. There's there's some others that have had moments, but I feel like like Derek Favors just had a huge game, but I feel like he's been misused for the most part. And he would have been my pick to be the guy to answer this question. But, yeah, I've just, like, Ricky Rubio's looked great, and uh, I'm happy for him. Yeah, I, I love that. Honestly, I love Ricky Rubio, man. I just honestly it was so it was so sad for me when he left. And I know you love Ricky Rubio too. I love him. But um and I was gonna say the same thing. Honestly, statistically Ricky Rubio, I think he's playing the best. All all around I I had his stats pulled up as well and every kind of major statistical category at least that NBA.com just shows off in a in a layman search, just straight up. He was he was above his career averages, um, but to just a reference, also what you said, the Suns right now are are fifth so far after the first are we first three weeks? Um, yep, they're seven and four. Suns are looking really good. Um, Derek Favors, he just had that twenty twenty game, like you said, he's playing really well. But he I also great. think he's he's really getting misused like a lot in er- earlier in the early games. It's a travesty. Really- he wasn't playing in the last – he wasn't closing games, which is ridiculous. And they're playing, like, backup centers that no one's ever heard of that they probably just picked up off the waiver. And I I, I just think that was ridiculous. I hope this 2020 moves forward and gains in the trust of the Pelicans. But, well, I mean, I guess that – well, he just didn't play this last game because he's injured, which also leads to my next segment. Oh really? Or I guess your next segment. <laughs> but um I I we gotta throw a shout out to Jay Crowder. He has a game winner this season of three. Yeah. Hal Neto good played against good. the Jazz too. Yeah. Hal Neto played good against the Jazz. I you know, our ex dudes are, are playing well, but um Ricky Rubio takes the cake of having best season so far so yeah really i don't want to go back to this because it's a negative nancy point but i'm going to anyways because i don't know why but it kind of goes back to my point the first podcast or first after the first week where i was like ah probably we lost a couple games early in the season that we might have won if ricky was still our point guard i, I was gonna say something about that <laughs> yeah i mean i again think that was maybe true earlier i think mike's playing at a really high level now his la- his numbers his last few games are really good and i think that memphis game he was he was pressing um understandably so he's a human being and he was back in his you know the place where he's lived the last 12 years of his life and he wanted to do well um so i don't i I think i think mike is now raising the ceiling of the jazz offense in a different way um it would have been an interesting it's an interesting thought experiment to think what the jazz offense would look like with ricky rubio and with boyan bogdanovich playing the jay crowder minutes from before but um Nonetheless, I, Mike, Mike Conley's awesome. They're both just awesome. And that's the funny thing about getting connected with these guys and then them leaving. It's like, you know, it's like Paul Millsap. Anytime I see him play anywhere, and probably we could have mentioned him. He's just a lot further removed from the Jazz. Yeah, I wanted to mention him earlier in the week. I was thinking about that, and I totally yeah. forgot. I'll never that's not root for Paul, Paul Millsap. I mean, I, I will not want him to, to make shots that beat the Jazz. But I love Paul Millsap, and I, I'll, I'll always root for him. And Ricky Rubio has his gone for me. 
Um, Can I tell you one quick Paul Millsap memory? Please. <laughs> so I think Paul Millsap is in my, like, my early jazz memories, not like my very first ones, because I remember when the jazz got him. But in my early memories, um, it was me. I, I loved Paul Millsap so much, but it's me and Jeremy Stevens. And I think dad was probably there too, but we were sitting on mom and dad's bed watching the jazz game on their like tiny, like six by six inch TV. And, <laughs> I remember that. It was not their main TV. Let's just not besmirch mom and dad. They had this like temporary one in their room, but that's funny. Right. And, <laughs> and I would, and I would call him Paul Milkshake for some reason. <laughs> and super random memory, but. I just love. I wish I would have known that because I remember some people called him like the paper boy as like a mailman type thing, and he was like mini mailman. Uh, Paul Milkshake, way better. Uh, Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's good. Well, let me. uh, I don't think there's any better way to finish that that part. Your part of that segment. So let's let's go to the question I had for you, and it's kind of related. I was just you know we're we're now. what are we or like 13 12 13 games in depending on the team um i'm just curious for on both an nba level and on a jazz level if there's you know any trends early season sort of um trends that have come out that you think are real and ones that you think are fake like things that you think are actually um, a good sign of what the rest of the season's going to look like and things that we're going to look back and be like oh uh that was weird that you know minnesota was in the playoff picture or something right okay so here's an early season take that i have right now and i and it's and i don't know how it's gonna affect the end of the season but at least right now injuries have been huge like so many people are are injured and i feel like potential teams that i thought might be good are just really bad like the bottom of the west are the Pelicans and the Warriors. And I thought both of those teams could maybe make the playoffs and, or at least like be in the, be in the battle for like in the top 10. And both sure. of, both of those lineups, cause they just played, I think that they played last night or maybe they played today, but th- their lineups were completely decimated. Like I, and I, it was just on Twitter and I saw it was the injury report for the game. And everyone that I could even name on the two teams, minus like Drew Holiday on the Pelicans, was injured. And I was just like, what the heck? Like, what is going on? Is it poor training? Too many? I, I don't know. But I just think there have been a, a lot of crazy injuries so far. Yeah. Hopefully that's not a trend that continues. It feels like there's been a lot the last few seasons to big players. And I know there's been all this talk lately about whether these are all injuries that are like um, like players finally paying for all the miles they put on themselves in AAU, which I think is kind of an interesting long conversation for another time maybe. But, yeah, that's an interesting one, and it has really affected the dynamic. It kind of goes to my my macro thing, my NBA trends that I'm thinking about because – the one of the weird thing is I was I thought it'd be really easy and I'm more focused on the West because I just think it's a more interesting playoff race and um, I think besides like four teams the East is a is a dumpster fire, 
But um, I was trying to think – I was thinking it would be, like, easy to be like, oh, here's, like, a team or two teams in the top eight that for sure are going to drop out, and here's a team not in it that for sure I think is actually going to end up in the playoffs. And it is hard because some of those teams that I thought, you know, were going to be, like you said, are out because of injury, and I don't think anything's going to change. So I, I would say the two teams, though, that I think – I don't feel that strongly about it because one is Phoenix. Uh, like, I think I – think the early season trend of like them being plus 7.1 in point differential. I don't, I just don't think that will sustain. And I don't think they're going to finish in the top five, but I kind of do think they're going to make the playoffs. I kind of think they're going to be a seven or an eight seed. So I don't know, but if they drop out, I think it's more likely that Minnesota drops out. Frankly, Um, I continue to not believe in towns as someone who carries a franchise and they're kind of coming back to earth after a hot start. I think Oof, their point differential is negative, Minnesota. Um, they're the only team in the playoff range that's actually averaging losing games, even though they have a winning record. But um, the team that I also don't feel strongly about, but I kind of think this trend will, will change is – actually, Doug, I'm conflicted on this. I was going to say Portland because I just believe Damian Lillard equals playoffs, but they just signed Carmelo Anthony. Like, is that going to be – is there any way that's not a disaster for them? Oh, okay. I'm glad that we I, – I had totally spaced this. It's been it's been a long day, but yes, we need to talk about this. This is this is this is huge NBA news, Mark. Yeah, I think Carmelo Anthony equals not making the playoffs or, <laughs> or yeah, somehow same. making the playoffs going against the Jazz and then just getting embarrassed. I think I hope so. Oh man, if we got remember when we were afraid we were gonna get the Warriors in the first round? If we got the Blazers <laughs> right. with Melo, like I'm I'm already booking tickets to the next round. Like I'm saying that now. Um, yeah. the, the other one I just want to mention as an NBA thing that happened that's cool. The, if anything, there's a trend that I'll pick. I'll just say I think the Spurs make the playoffs somehow. They're five and eight right now. They're third from the bottom of the West, um, but they just always find a way. And did you see this? Because this was cool. Um, Pop got thrown out of a game the other day. <laughs> uh, I think yesterday. And Becky Hammond's the lead assistant, and so she was coaching the game. Uh, I don't know that there's been a female. I know there's been another female coach in the history of the NBA, but I can't remember one sort of being a head coach or acting as one. And her, her lead assistant was Tim Duncan, who I didn't even realize was on the coaching staff. Oh, I didn't Um, either. So there was this picture of Becky Hammond and Tim Duncan next to each other. And it was awesome. Um, I thought that was cool. Oh, that's way cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, on the, on the jazz front, here's, here's, I'll be quick because we, I went too long in the first segment, but this kind of comes back to it. So the trend that I, I believe in um, was the thing I was worried about preseason, which is I believe the defense is good. And I believe the jazz defense, which I think is number one right now, or it's in the top three. Um, I think it's going to be top five. So I just, I just believe in that. I don't know if you have cause for doubt, but I think, um, I think our defense is just good. Yep. I agree. I'm, I'm, um, that was like my biggest worry and I'm all in on the defense. Yeah. The thing that I think is a trend that's going to change for them is is the offense. I just think it's going to get better. I, I listened to this thing with David Locke um, on his podcast where he was talking about how the Jazz are shooting more twos and they're not distributing it. And so this this kind of goes back to my free throw point. I, I don't want to get too into this, but the, a basic tenet of current analytics and modern analytics in basketball is that a free throw is like the most valuable shot that you can have. Because, I don't know, I think NBA teams make around 70% of their foul shots. So if you go to the line 
you know, if you have 10 possessions and you go to the line 10 times and you shoot 70%, you're going to get 14 of 14 points. Whereas if like, you know, if you just made 10 shots out of 10, there'd be 20 possible, but you get 14 shot, 14 points. So 1.4 points per possession. Whereas with a three point shot, well, with a two point shot, if you're lucky, you're making 50% of them, right? If you're really good. Um, and if you made 50% of 10 shots, um, you'd get 10 points. So that's significantly less than 14. So you're better off getting fouled. And then three point shots are kind of in the middle, like a really good three point percentage would be 40%, um, probably really high thirties, but for the sake of easy math, if you make four out of the 10, you get 12 points. Um, and I'm sorry if that was not easily conveyed or I probably (laughs) screwed it up. The point is the more foul shots you can make and three pointers you can make the better off you are. Now it's also still really valuable to get two point shots right at the rim to dunk and score because those people make it a higher rate than 50%. All that said, I guess the jazz so far this season have been shooting a lot more mid range shots. So David Locke's been talking about how the offense has been less efficient because of that. And part of that is we've got a lot of guys who can handle the ball now and create a shot before we even have guys who could create a mid range shot if they wanted one, but we did a lot of work to get open threes all that is to say, and sorry that that was kind of a little painful, probably. I just think they're going to get more and more into Quinn's offense, which he he likes to call the blender, which creates better shots. And I think part of that starts with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert getting into a rhythm now and getting more lob dunks at the rim. There's going to be more open threes around. The Jazz have good shooters. I just think this offense is a top 10 offense by the end of the season, and the defense is a top five defense. And so I don't know. I think it takes a while for, for teams to gel with new players. And so I think that the trend of their offense so far, which is ranked in the bottom part of the league, I can't remember exactly where. Um, I think that changes. I, I agree. I think, I think the, I mean, it's, I think before the season we knew that it was just going to be a work in like a work in progress. And I think maybe we thought it would be a little bit better than it is or has been statistically and maybe the defense was going to be a little bit worse. And I think the defense is just going to continue to be good. And I think the offense is going to get better, which only means good stuff, but maybe I'm just a homer. And I just think that we're probably just homers, but I think we're going to be right though. I think this year we're homers that are right. Let's see how right. it goes. I... <laughs> Do you have any but, other trends okay, you I want have... to talk about? What's that? Did you have any other oh, trends I... that you want to talk about? I was just gonna say, I hate load management. Oh man, that's that's all I have to say. I hate, I hate people. I agree. Are... Actually, I'm taking off the next two segments, Doug, because I'm I, I made a really good load management joke in the city basketball league I play in. I play in this Menlo Park City basketball league with my old law firm, and I went to the first game of the season, and then I have not been back since. And it was like the fifth or sixth game of the season, and I played this week. And I was like, "Hey guys, sorry, load management." And uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I thought it was funny. I mean, guess what? Okay. It didn't. It didn't help me. I played a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, if you're listening, if you're a listener right now and you don't know what load management is, practically it's just um, the league has certain like all-star level players that will they'll if maybe on a back-to-back they'll sit one of the games or however many like maybe every every third or every fifth game they'll just sit. 
they won't play, not due to injury, just to – they call it load management, and they're just taking the night off. Load management's and, a really funny name, too. But Yeah. It's uh, it's just – it's dumb. It's like the excuse to allow Kawhi Leonard to work flex time instead of right. full time. Um, it's a bummer for fans. Um, the, the league's done a lot to try to improve the schedule and have less back-to-backs and all this stuff, but it doesn't matter. I mean, they need to do something to fix it, but – but yeah, I'm with you. Stupid trend. Don't like it. Um, but should we jump into happier things and do our, our social media segment? Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I, I was born for this segment. <laughs> All right. Then I want you to go first. Hashtag social media. Yay! Okay. Um, I think this segment is actually really funny to me. And I don't know. I, I think you'll think this is funny. But I'm going to start off, this mine is one thing, but I guess I'm referencing two tweets. So I, I want to start off by referencing you, and this isn't a direct reference, so I don't have your tweet right in front of me. But a couple of weeks ago, I think, it, well, I think it was game one, Utes versus BYU. And you said something like, you tweeted like, Talon Shemway is in the game how is this guy still playing for BYU? He should have his PhD by now or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you remember saying that? I, 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 yes, I do. Okay. First off, Talon Shumway and I are the same age. <laughs> so BYU's uh, plan, I think. Right. So, and I'm still getting that bachelor's degree. This is last year though. So fingers crossed, but Gregor Bell tweeted this week, uh, wide receiver Talon Shumway told me today, the other night or sorry told me the other night after um a show that they do called sataki show that he has caught in-game passes from eight different byu quarterbacks wow Taysom hill tanner mangum bo hodge coy detmer joe critchlow zach wilson jaron hall and baylor romney talent is the only byu court byu player who can say that i think that is what? nuts when you said Coy Detmer, I legit thought you were talking about Ty Detmer's little brother. No. Coy, How yeah. long has this guy been there? Wait, he didn't even play for BYU. All right. Coy oh, Detmer is, is Ty Detmer's nephew that was like the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember now. Up. I remember now. That's nuts. I just, I saw that and I was like, wow, that is ridiculous. That's so crazy. It's unbelievable. I, I hope Talon Shumway never stops playing for BYU. I, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I mean, that's also get to watch him there. That's also him. keep playing, man. Keep playing. Right. Man. I mean, that's also kind of like a bad sign. Like, obviously, for BYU, that's just a lot of injured quarterbacks. Obviously, he's been there for a while, and he must have got some PT when he was a freshman and caught it. Frankly, I don't think that's a good sign for anyone other than Talon Shumway and <laughs> you and I. Right. Um, for humor. All right, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, when you said you were referencing two tweets, I thought you were going to do the one that I did, which was a completely different theme. So I guess not because mine references two tweets, too. So here's mine. Um, The first tweet is by none other than James Harden. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you saw this, but James Harden tweeted, when you're with God, it doesn't matter who's against you. And then the little screaming emoji, like shouting emoji, all caps, Godfidence. So confidence oh, with yeah, God at first. So Jimbo Slice at Jimbo Rudding, who I, I think is an SLC dunk guy, 
and I think is really funny. He's got a lot of tweets about Derek Fisher uh, that are just priceless. Um, but he retweets it. So James Harden again said, when you're with God, it doesn't matter who's against you. Godfidence. Jimbo Slice tweets in brackets, ref blows whistle, foul on God, two free throws. <laughs> I saw that. I just, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. But I thought that was so funny. That could just, yeah, I don't know. That's just, like that hits me in every right way. I think that's so funny. There was like Shea Serrano did one a few years ago that was talking about James Harden and like a maternity ward, like Euro stepping and getting drawing a foul on the nurse when his kid was born or something. I just can't. I just think those things, things that have James Harden traveling in weird ways or drawing fouls in weird ways, are always going to make me laugh. Uh, so I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that. I love that. You that. <laughs> All right, Doug. Um, well, let's. Uh, we certainly can't Donovan Mitchell this thing into a four-point play because the refs would never call it. So let's just go to Jake. Let's Jay Crowder this thing uh, into our and one segment. And one, and one. Yeah! All right. So Doug, um, frankly, uh, don't really have an end one segment. I, I'll just uh, say um, – the Broncos game today was just comical. I'm just going to say that as an aside because this <laughs> is just ridiculous. No comment. Uh, they find different ways to lose at the end. And the Utes are awesome. But honestly, I, I don't really have anything for one. Do you? Nope. I've got nothing. Um, but- well, I mean, I did notice we got – we got. it looks like we got our first voicemail um, on the podcast. It's not me um, – you know, dialing you at, at the, in the middle of the night. Should we uh, listen to it? Yeah, let's check it out. Okay. Hey, this is Doug Hensey. Leave me a message or shoot me a text and I'll get right with you. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Dougie Fresh, my man, what is up? It's your homie Talon here. Uh, Props to you and Marcus on the awesome work you guys are doing with uh, Twos and Three Podcast. Really enjoyed it. Um, as both of you are longtime neighbor and friend, longtime teammate through tons of junior jazz seasons, football. Shout out to Coach uh, Marcus Hinseed out there. A lot of good times there coaching Little League for Dougie Fresh and I and uh, some lean years. <laughs> Not a lot of wins, but a lot of, a lot of good times, a lot of good memories. And it's just been fun hearing you guys talk with the podcast and relish in this season and being a jazz fan and all that that entails, both through the thick and the thin, <clears throat> Tyrone Corbin. But um, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. I was thinking when you guys asked him some feedback of maybe some uh, ideas to add or cool things you could do within the podcast to get more engagement. I was, I for a long time, a bunch of my buddies and I have been always talking about how not to be that guy as sports fans as a, as a big sports fan there's only there's all these unwritten rules of what you should and shouldn't do as a fan that i feel like are blatantly obvious but for some reason they're always that guy who's just like just shake your head at every time and say how can you be so oblivious to the world around you so i was thinking it'd be a cool addition to have an aspect to talk about to educate, spread the word of the Sportsman's Bible of how not to be that guy, how not to suck, and to help all Jazz Nation be better because of it, because no one wants to be that guy. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, that would be good. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk soon, fellas.
All right. Well, I mean, I love Talon. Uh, awesome to get a, a voicemail from him. I think we got to call him, Doug, and just uh, talk about this because I, I, I need to get a little more info on, on where he's going with this. Uh, should we call him? Yeah, let's, let's call him in. Let's get him here live. Let's do it. I'm calling him right now. Hello. Talon. Talon. How are you, man? <laughs> What's up, man? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. How's the California life? California life is good. Talon, um, if you're cool and you're ready, we have you kind of live podcasting right now. Um, oh wow! We can uh, we can edit, we can edit this uh, or we can just roll. Um, so we we just listened to your voicemail, um, and we're we're on pins and needles. Uh, we're feeling very excited about it, but we want to. We felt like we needed to get you on and and talk through this. Is that cool? Oh yeah, love it. I love it. Okay, Doug, you still there? All right. Can you hear me, Talon? Doug, he's fresh. My man, what's up? Hey, Tal. All right, Tal. We're. I think we're ready for this conversation. Let's let's just hear one more explanation. So you talked about not wanting to be that guy. So what do, what are you meaning by this? Yeah, Tal. Give us your give us your thoughts here. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay. So all three of us, you know, we've all been big sports fans our whole life, and we. I don't know if it's because we from a small market area like Utah, like that's why my feelings are so more tender against these things. It's just, but there's just certain rules that should apply to everyone who's a fan, no matter what sport you're in. It's just of how to be not, how not to be that guy, how to be an actually good fan and not be that guy that everyone hates, but no one ever talks about it. You know what I'm saying? Everyone, a lot of the normal people who are good fans know what these rules are. I feel like there's just a lot of schlubs out there who maybe don't know their schlubs or maybe they're just okay with being schlubs and they need to know that, you know, that's just not cool. So I've always thought about these. I've talked with all my friends for a long time about these different rules of this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do, and this is how not to suck and how not to be that guy. And so I've always wanted to share that passion with other fans and uh, talk about what their written, unwritten rules are and uh, hear your guys' thoughts on that. So okay. just, that's uh, kind of where I'm, I'm coming from and thinking about for a long time. Well, I, I, I like this town. I mean, I li- obviously a, a part of a huge part of this podcast is um, we're trying to create a platform for, for the people like yourself and like us, frankly, <laughs> um, to talk about the thoughts that they have about sports and about this kind of stuff. So here's the one thing. So I, I want to lay one thing as a groundwork because I kind of like this idea of let's let's talk about and maybe get people's sort of feedback too on on whether or not they agree with you know the proper way to behave as a fan this is an interesting year for the jazz to do it because the jazz are just um potentially really good this year and right uh, um and it's an interesting thing for me to think about this week after coming off the warriors game but i i want to say one one thing as a sort of baseline though um can i tell you guys a story yeah, let's hear it. That's, that's, that's where these things are built off. Of. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, here's the thing. This is, this, is, this is just my cautionary tale of something I want to be um, wary of here. Um, because this summer, this recently, actually, a few weeks ago, I went with my family of five 
to the Renaissance Fair. Um, and so that's this thing in Gilroy, California, where people go and it's like the end of fall, kind of around Halloween, and they dress up like medieval people and go around to these booths and pretend like you're kind of in medieval times. And there's like gestures and there's like people doing tricks like eating swords. But people are like all out into this, right? So we went and everybody there is dressed up like they're from medieval times besides us. And, and we show up and we're just wearing like normal clothes and we got our kids. It was Halloween, so they're in costumes. But um, I was like, oh, people are going to hit like this is going to be super awkward. But guess what, guys? People were very welcoming. Like we walked in and they just brought us in. And it's like they didn't care that we haven't, you know, that I was dressed, not dressed medieval, that I haven't been going as. They were they were happy and just welcoming to me, even though this wasn't my thing. So I'm I had such a good experience because I was like really into watching these people who were so into what they were doing, even though I wasn't as into it. I kind of wanted to be seeing them. And so I just want to I'm mindful that in this whole jazz fandom thing, I'm kind of the medieval times guy dressed up like a medieval times person right now. And like the, there might be somebody who's like listening to the pod and coming into the jazz who's, you know, wearing like a tucked in polo shirt at the game while I'm like wearing Rudy Gobert jersey with like face paint. Um, and I, I do want, I, I think it's important, like you're saying, there's some ways as a fan that you can just kind of get outside the bounds of, of what we would prefer. But what I don't want to seem like is I'm some dude who's like, I've been with the jazz since I was like two inches tall and you haven't. So like, you can't be part of this experience. I have an open tent is all I'm saying. Oh, I welcome oh, everybody. Yeah come enjoy this with me regardless of what you're wearing and regardless if you've ever been to a renaissance fair or a jazz game or, or whatever so that's kind of my baseline thing um but i don't know if you guys agree with that or, or if that was just the weirdest story you've heard in, in the last couple of weeks <laughs> could be both okay okay all right so with that baseline so that everybody knows who's listening i'm like there's no like your fandom is welcome here, but let's uh, do you have talent like a couple a couple rules and maybe this could be a recurring thing we could do um, time and again. But do you have a couple rules that uh, of fandom that you abide by and think we would yeah, all do yeah, well like, to abide I was, by? I was thinking like maybe like one of the most simple rules. I totally agree with that. I think it's an open tent. Welcome all in. And uh, make sure that they can feel comfortable doing that and avoid maybe we can help them feel even more comfortable by not putting awkward situations and maybe some other fans who aren't as welcoming will pin them against if they don't know some of these subtleties and, like and different rules, right? We're here to hold hands. So one, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so one of the things I was – the very basic rules is like how you choose your team depending on the sports. And there's certain kind of rules that uh, it suggested you kind of just abide by. For example – so if, if you were from Salt Lake City, Utah, born and raised, you should just be a jazz fan, generally by, by default in a sense, right? That's your home team. This is your place. This is your city. Especially in a place where there's like not really a whole lot of professional sports teams. It should be a kind of a given to be a jazz, and jazz fan despite, you know, the ups and downs of how good the team is when you kind of start becoming a fan, right? Not like, if you're born and raised here, all of a sudden you just always choose the Lakers just because you want to choose the Lakers. I mean, everyone has up to their choice, but it's kind of like, 
this is your area. Is this your place? This is who you should go yeah, for. Yeah. I don't you, know. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Here, well, you had me coming out. Here, I've come out being like, I welcome everybody. And then you went right to the thing that gets my blood going. <laughs> so I'm going to say right now, I welcome everybody. Except for if you're from Utah and you're a Lakers fan, then just go. Just get out of here. Why are you even listening to this podcast? Like, I realize we only have a few listeners. But if you're from Salt Lake City and you're a Lakers fan, all right, actually, if you're listening to the podcast, I, I'm, I'm happy that you're here. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, if you're a Lakers fan and you're from Salt Lake, your dad better be Wilt Chamberlain, like, <laughs> for the Lakers or something. <laughs> like, right. you better have, like, Magic Johnson must be your godfather or something. Like, there needs to be yeah. real extenuation. And it and exactly. normally has to come from, like, blood, family, ties. And even then, the Lakers, I'm still going to be a little annoyed. Um, that you chose them but and yeah i i agree i don't know what do you what do you think about this doug okay so as as we're talking about this we may be referencing a close friend who is a mavs fan aka mckay richard (laughs) mckay oh sorry i mean we're not saying any names are we right I, i didn't i didn't say that but um yeah i agree i think um you gotta own your place we there was a guy growing up, and, and Talon knows him. Mark, you know him too, but you won't get this reference. And he said, he would always say, I mean, he grew up in Utah. Dad was a local sports, a sports guy, so that might give it away a little bit. But he would say, I was born in Connecticut. I've got options. But you know no, what? Geez. You live oh, in Utah. <laughs> you live in Utah. You should be a jazz fan. Uh, if he's a yukon women's basketball fan then i'm totally fine with that like if you like yukon women's basketball and you're born in connecticut then then that's cool that's about where i draw the line yeah but and it goes back to the same point is here's the thing unless you've got blood you went and played for that you've got a son or daughter or you went after university went and played for these specific teams or some family member close tie that way all right then i give you full reign to go like any other teams but if you, for example, another example, I have a, I have a buddy who's like born and raised in in Phoenix, okay? And granted, obviously the Suns have had a couple rough seasons, but also when he came out to school out here in Utah, all of a sudden he switched to be a Jazz fan after I've always been a, a Suns fan. Oh, that makes like, sense, though. That makes sense. But, I'm just kidding. It's like, come on, man. You gotta, I, I, I understand that it's exciting time now to be a Jazz fan, but you can't just ditch your Suns like that. That's, that's where you're from. That's where you grew up. That's at your team that like where's the loyalty maybe i'm just nope i'm with you school on loyalty but man you got to stick with it i mean it's different if you are from for example utah and you don't we don't have a baseball team we don't have an nfl team then you kind of have free reign to kind of pick and choose hopefully you won't be that guy who just automatically likes the best team out there hopefully you have try to find some connection to some other team out there but if you have a professional sports team in your area in your state you just you got to be their fan that's just well yeah uh, maybe, and if you grew up with the phoenix suns no if you grew up with the phoenix suns now if you grew up with the phoenix suns and you move to utah and the jazz are good and you find them interesting and you happen upon a podcast with two brothers that are just surprisingly charming and funny in spite of the sometimes bad sound quality on their podcast uh listen to it just keep listening to it uh, it's called twos and threes and we are, we welcome you <laughs> but you should probably be a phoenix suns fan well, let me ask you this, though, Talon, because I think this is a good one, and I think we should have a recurring thing where we bring you on to talk about different rules as, as the season goes along. But I'm, a bit of, I'm in a bit of a complicated way living here in the Bay Area, right? So I'm, I've moved my kids around a little bit, um, 
and the Bay Area sports scene has been active. I would just say while I've been here, I've been we've been around for some good Giants years. This was not one of those. Um, we've been around for obviously the Warriors years. We've been around for dark 49ers times um, and the Raiders exist, but they're moving. Um, what's your view on if you're a kid and you grow up somewhere and you're and you're like me, like we're parents? I'm, I'm curious what your view is, and then I'll tell you what the rules are in my family. Yeah, so this, this is a great, this is a great, this situation is great. So because you're, you're, you're obviously they're growing up in the Bay Area. It's it's kind of a, it's a it's a difficult situation because that's where their kind of home is and they've grown up. Now, I am of the personal opinion that if they want to choose what their dad is going to, they can either they can become a jazz fan, and if they want, they can be a Warriors fan because that's their area, right? But none of this, I'm going to be a Lakers fan because I'm in California, right? Okay, but, I like they're, that. They're in the Bay Area. They, I, I I give them props. To go to the Warriors because that's kind of the area that's kind of grew up there. You weren't necessarily with Jazz, but also you're taking to the Jazz games when they're in the Bay. You know, they're yes. watching Jazz games with you. I mean, what kid doesn't want to like who the dad or mom likes? You know what I mean? There's just that family tie that way. Yeah, so I'm, I'm okay with that one. It's just not some random team that all of a sudden, like I was talking to this this kid the other day, and he's from the Cincinnati area, right? And his dad was this huge Reds fan in baseball. Okay huge Reds fan and it's not like he said and they kind of moved to Cleveland it's not like all of a sudden he became an Indians fan all of a sudden he became a Yankees fan it's like wait what <laughs> like what does that even mean and especially you into like the dark side like the empire of all sports <laughs> teams so that's like escalates your foul and sin of as a fan but you see where I'm coming from? It's, it's yeah, there's a yeah. balance there, but nothing from left field like that. I like, like uh, just... so I like the way you're thinking about this from a rulemaking standpoint. It's very lawyerly sounding talent. So I'll, I'll give you, I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> or not, but I, coming from a lawyer, I'm just saying, because you got to think about this. You're making like a constitution here for sports fans. So you got to allow for flexibility. So a cool thing about the way our government works is we have, you know, consti- the constitution, which sets some, some, some hard and fast rules in general. And then, you know, we can have statutes enacted. And a Hinsey family statute has been enacted on this. It's more harsh than your constitution. But I'm glad that your constitution allows the leeway that it does. So um, in my family, you, you're a, look, it's the Jazz. I'm sorry. Like, if they want to, like, have the Warriors as their second favorite team or whatever, if they want to cheer for the Warriors when they're not playing the Jazz, if there's a Warriors blanket on one of my kids' beds now, all of that I'm fine with, but they know where the loyalties start. Also, um, they can't be a Raiders fan. They can just get out of the house if they're going to be a Raiders fan because that says something about your character. There's another football team option here. They don't have to be a Broncos fan. They just cannot be a Raiders fan. So those are two statutes in my house. Baseball and hockey, um, which I, I'm getting more into the, the local hockey, I actually feel like are pretty local sports. Like if you're going to watch baseball, Unless if you do have a real true baseball history, and I think a lot of us who grew up in Utah have kind of an interesting baseball history because we didn't have a team. So maybe you're a Rockies fan. In my case, maybe you grew up with the Braves a lot because they were always on TBS and TNT and you had a friend from Atlanta or something. Um, or maybe you, I know there's a lot of Dodgers fans there. I'm just all out on L.A. all, all the time, but whatever. If you're a Dodgers fan, that's fine. Um, and, and so on. But for my kids, it's like if you're going to follow baseball – 
it's just a lot more fun to go to baseball games. They're cheaper than other sports. There's a lot of them. Being a fan of the local baseball team, the closest one, if you have one, I think is cool. So we're a Giants family. So, like, I, I think, yeah, that's kind of how, like, my kids have discretion up to a point. Um, so the Jazz are, you know, the Jazz, it's the Jazz. <laughs> it's the not Raiders. And then after that, you know, it's a little more leeway um, for choosing something that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like that makes sense. I don't know, Doug. What What are your thoughts on this? Um. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, here's my Here's my one personal take on this. Um. So, and I could be. I could find a little like wiggle wiggle room here to where, um, as a baseball fan, which I have zero credibility in, like not a <laughs> hardcore baseball fan, but I've. All, all growing up, I've liked David Ortiz, and the only way I can um, justify it in your rulemaking is that I was a, I have been a Red Sox fan because I love David Ortiz, and he played a couple games for the Bees or the Stingers or whatever they were oh. at the time. Oh yeah, back in the Stingers. Man. I do like that you're you're trying to just you know you're back backing into this uh, with some logic uh trying to draw but honestly since his retirement i haven't paid attention to the red sox so i would say i probably break the rule of of bandwagoning because I, I that was probably when they won the world series too what was that 2007 i can't remember but um yeah see in my view you're you're starting with the red sox because of ortiz other than the fact that in the Red Sox Yankees rivalry, um, I I grew up two short or I I lived two short subway stops um, from the stadium in the Bronx, so I, you're on the wrong end of that for me. Um, but if but you know if you don't have like a geographical re- reason or a family reason, which you don't really in baseball, I'm aware of your family makeup. <laughs> that you know. Like starting because you like a player somewhere, I don't think is the is the worst reason personally. No, I I, I don't think that's I don't think it's too bad. It's it's a little disappointing, Doug, that you you know have kind of faltered in your liking of, of yeah, the Yeah, get Red it Sox, together, but, Doug. Weren't, weren't we just talking you know, about how loyal you were earlier in this podcast? Baseball has like, so many games; it's so boring. It's so long. <laughs> well, no, no. Listen, listen up. Here's the thing. Give us some context. So I'm I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a baseball nerd. Uh, obviously, again, Utah doesn't have a team. When I was a little kid, my aunt and uncle were doing medical school out in Missouri, and they kind of became Cardinals fans when I was like four or five. They got me some Cardinals gear, and that's kind of just became my team, right? So I've been a big Cardinals fan ever since. And I, I get where you're coming from, Doug, because I was obviously when I was a little kid, that's when Pujols started becoming really good, and I was a big Pujols fan. But when Pujols left the Cards after Wilson's win in 2011, Doug, I stayed loyal, man. I was still with them. I still am. And so you got to stick there. But yeah. then again, though, you're, 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 you got to show some love, Doug. It's okay. You can pull out a Red Sox hat. That, uh, the the, the truth though. is, though, Doug, forget the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> forget the Red Sox and let Michelle know that you feel that way, too. My sister, next time he's here. Um, well, look, uh, Talon, this has been really fun. Um, I would like to keep the segment going, but we, uh, through no fault of your own, we ran long on everything else. <laughs> but, uh, so I want to leave a little meat on the bone for this because I like this as a recurring segment. I want you to, um, I want to, I'm going to give you a chance for any last parting, parting words, or if you had another rule you want to throw out. But I, I think 
it'd be fun if we had you had you back soon um, to talk about other sort of uh, rules of fandom uh, so that we can, you know, all try to be the best fans we can be. And I'd love to get people's uh, feedback on this. Um, but I don't know, Town, anything else you wanted to make sure you got in on, on this one? You know, I just, I just, I'm, we're just out here trying to make the world a little bit a better place one step like at a time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so that's the whole idea. We'll get some more fan. We'll just take it a little bit. We'll create kind of the Ten Commandments, our own little Bible of, of rules to be in a sports everyone can follow and uh, hopefully try to be a little bit better because of it. I want to hear feedback, whether people thoughts. Feel free to, I really hope people can open up and kind of share their thoughts. If they disagree, let's, let's have an open yeah, table and people, talk about people it. People let us know. Wrong, but, um, you know, we can at least hear how wrong they are. So I'm way open to that. idea. Let us know people. You can tweet at us at Cowhide Grove Co. Oh, it was really fun. And yeah. you, and you can tweet at Talon. Do you, Talon, do you want to give a Twitter handle or anything? Or people? Yes, don't... at Talon Larry Hatch. So feel free to send your love and hate my way, and we, we can debate it all day. So. <laughs> and uh, like Talon did, he left us a voicemail and he got on the show. Talon, I also think with this Bible, Ten Commandments, or whatever gets formed, it sounds like I'm roping you into doing a blog on our on our website as well, a blog post, and um, eventually that might have to happen. But um, in the Constitution, we got to get in the written words. That's so right. That's right. I, I will say, I think where I come out on all this again is um, there, you know, loyalty is important here and circumstances are important. Mostly and most importantly, if you're in Salt Lake and you grew up in Salt Lake, you should not be a Lakers fan. Now, Amen. I'm now I feel like I'm speaking to a friend who may or may not be listening. I know he's listened to a couple. I, I guess I guess if you were like a little kid and you met Kareem Abdul-Jabbar courtside or something with your uncle, you know who you are. And I, I guess I, I'll give you a pass because your character otherwise is so unimpeachable. Um, all right, guys, uh, this has been really fun. Um, uh I, I blogged on our thing, our website, com last week. There might be another one, another jazz memory coming up in the next day or two. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, Doug, you got anything else? Any last stuff? No. Th- Talon, thanks for joining us, man. We pulled you in really on the fun, spot. We got you live. Yeah, it's great. been great, fellas. All right, guys. Thanks very much. That's twos and threes. Boom. Oh, yes, come on! Oh, yeah!